The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. Rainmaker FM. And welcome back to The Writer Files. I'm your host, Kelton Reed. Here to take you on yet another tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of renowned writers to learn their secrets. And in part two of this file, the number one New York Times bestselling author of 12 books, Jennifer Weiner, returns to talk to me about the writer's life, her new memoir, and Revenge of the Nerds. Before her prolific career as a novelist, Ms. Weiner started out as a small-town newspaper reporter before signing her first big book deal for her novel, Good and Bad. And since then, her books have spent over five years on the New York Times bestseller list. She's had a novel made into a major motion picture, contributed op-eds to the New York Times, executive produced a TV series, and published a children's book. Her latest offering is the memoir, Hungry Heart, Adventures in Life, Love, and Writing. And it's about yearning, fulfillment, loss, and love, and a woman who searched for her place in the world and found it as a storyteller. In part two of this file, Jennifer and I discuss how creative people see the world through their own lenses, why hard work alone forges enduring writers, why ebooks are indispensable to writers on the go, and why you just need to sit down and start writing. If you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published. And if you missed the first half of this show, you can find it in the archives, on iTunes, on writerfiles.fm, and in the show notes. This episode of The Writer Files is brought to you by Audible. I'll have more on their special offer later in the show, but if you love audiobooks or you've always wanted to give them a try, you can check out over 180,000 titles right now at audibletrial.com rainmaker. So I'd love to dig into your creativity a little bit if you want to talk about creativity. Yes. And if you have an idea uh, kind of in your mind maybe about your your personal definition of creativity. If you could share that with us, that'd be great. I think that creative people see the world through their own lenses. Um, and I go back to my childhood where here I am, this sort of chunky, brainy, mouthy Jewish outcast in Simsbury, Connecticut. And I spent so much time trying to figure out why don't other kids like me? Like, why do I have no friends? Why am I not fitting in here? What is it specifically? And just paying so much attention to all of those details of 
everything from like hairstyles to clothes to parents to like, you know, which Kenny Rogers songs were okay to say you liked as opposed (laughs) to the ones that you couldn't say you liked. And like, you know, that was my lens. That was my, um, that was the way that I saw the world. That was how I I looked at things. And I, I think that, you know, I had this perspective and I had this experience and that's what I think creative people are is like, you know, they're, they're the ones who maybe see the world a little bit differently than everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a creative muse at the moment yourself or something that's kind of, I've been thinking so much about Hillary honestly, and about all of the questions that her candidacy raises about what it is to be a woman in the world today. And just thinking about, again, we're, we're talking the morning after the first presidential debate. And um, two weeks ago, there was that national town hall and, and Rents Priebus, who's the head of the Republican National Committee, faulted her for her sort of sourpuss demeanor and said she never smiles. And then there was the debate last night and you had David David Froome, who's a who's a very, you know, sort of prominent conservative critic saying, who told her she was supposed to grin like she was at her two-year-old granddaughter's birthday party? And I'm just like, men? Men, men told her, told her that because, but then it's just like, you can't win. It's like, if she smiles, she's wrong. If she doesn't smile, she's wrong. If she's emotional, well, you're weak. But if she's not emotional, well, she's robotic and she's not likable. And I have just been thinking so much about like, what does it mean to be likable? Why do we aspire to that above all things? Why are we as women taught that it matters so much? Mm. And just, you know, watching the debate last night, watching her get interrupted 70 separate times by Trump and by Lester Holt, and just thinking like, how many rooms have I been in where there are men who talk over me, interrupt me, don't listen to me, um, take credit for what I've said. And and I lead a a fairly female-centered life. I mean, I'm in I'm I'm in publishing. My agent's a woman, my editor's a woman, my publisher's a woman, her boss, Carolyn Reed's a woman who's running Simon and Schuster. But even so, you end up in those rooms. And so that's what I've been thinking about. And, and so I, I think as I sort of turn the corner into this next novel and, and think about women and men, um, I think that that is, is going to inform a, a lot of the female characters is sort of just that there's no way to get it right. No, no. That was a long answer and I'm sorry, but no, <laughs> you asked. That's cool. Well, I mean, I look... <laughs> Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. 
Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. I look forward to seeing that uh, you unpack that in, on in your New York Times column because you've done some great kind of op-ed pieces over there for them. I know that was kind of like a, a childhood dream of yours yes. uh, realized, which is really cool. So we'll look forward to seeing that one uh, there as well. So in your estimation, what do you think makes a writer truly great? I mean, I know it's a cliche to say hard work. Um, and And there are people who are born with just towering, brilliant, fiery talent, just people who can shape language and, and command sentences and martial words and just dazzle you, dazzle you on the page. I mean, like I read like Lauren Groff's books and just think, wow, you know, like, and, and that I could never do that. I get like, she's, she's working at just a very different level and at a very different place than I am. Mm -hmm. But I, I also think that there's something to be said for just work for just the slog of putting your body in the chair and your hands on the keyboard and getting your thousand words out and then just working them and working them and working them and making them as good as they absolutely can be. Because my suspicion is that there are a lot of tremendously like Lauren Groff level talented people out there who are, oh, I'm going to write a book someday. I'm going to, I'm going to take a month off from work. I'm going to write my book who aren't going to write their books because it's a lot of work to write a book. It's a lot of work to write a book, you know, and then it's even more work to like publicize a book and go on tour for a book and promote a book on social media, all the ways your publisher expects you to. But what makes a writer, I would say just sheer persistence and work. Yeah. Yeah. Well put. So, uh, you mentioned one, uh, do you have a couple other favorites kind of sitting on your nightstand right now? A couple favorite authors or? Um, well, I mean, I was writing essays. So of course I was reading my Nora Ephron and I was reading my Fran Lebowitz and I was reading Erica Jong, who I believe is tremendously underrated as an essayist. Mm. Um, she wrote a book called Fear of 50, um, 
I want to say it was like 15 years ago that I think has, I, I recommend it all the time to other writers because I think that it is just so wise about what life is like once you've been published and how, in fact, it does not make all your dreams come true. It does not make all your problems go away. And in, in some cases, it creates new and exciting problems. Um, so I've been reading lots of that. Um, I, I loved Homegoing, the, the Yag Yasi book that was um, wonderful. It was about, um, it was about the slave trade in, in Africa and in, in Guyana, I think, and I'm probably screwing that up, but it was, it was really, it was it's to, told through like four or five generations and all these different characters. And she just, I thought, handled it so brilliantly. Um, I just got the new Bruce Springsteen biography that mm. I, of course, am looking forward to. Um, <laughs> one of my one of my favorite books is this oral history of Warren Zevon called "I'll Sleep When I'm Dead." Mm. Um, you know, and Warren Zevon is is a he was a singer songwriter who I don't think was ever as famous as he deserved to be. He wrote "Werewolves of London," which I think is sort of a novelty tune that people think of, but he also wrote just some of these just remarkable lyrics and could sort of cram a whole short story's worth of observation into, um, into a song. And so I, I go back to, um, and oral histories are great because you can kind of just dip in and out of them and, um, you know, always, always find something interesting to, um, to read. But I just finished, let's see, Anne Hood's The Book That Matters Most. I read, um, my last week of book tour. So yeah, lots of many things. I am reading many things. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm sure the list goes on and on. It does. We will be right back after a very short break. Thanks so much for listening to The Writer Files. This episode of The Writer Files is brought to you by Audible. Offering over 180,000 audiobook titles to choose from, Audible seamlessly delivers the worlds of both fiction and nonfiction to your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or computer. For Rainmaker FM listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check them out. Grab your free audiobook right now by visiting audibletrial.com rainmaker. I just hopped over there to grab Stephen King's epic novel, 112263, about an English teacher who goes back in time to prevent the assassination of JFK. You can download your pick or any other audiobook free by heading over to audibletrial.com slash rainmaker. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash rainmaker. As many writers do, do you have kind of a, a favorite or best love quote floating over your desk somewhere? I, I do. Um, and, and interestingly enough, I was, somebody asked me a, a different question this morning and I, I used this, this quote. This is um, Nora Ephron and it's from Heartburn and it's a therapist in conversation with her client. Um, Vera is the therapist. Vera said, why do you feel you have to turn everything into a story? So I told her why. Because if I tell the story, I control the version because if I tell the story, I can make you laugh, and I would rather have you laugh at me than feel sorry for me. Because if I tell the story, it doesn't hurt as much. Because if I tell the story, I can get on with it. And that is something, you know, especially with Hungry Heart, and especially with thinking about, like, my own life and some of the stuff that I've been through and, and just um, – why am I going to tell these stories and, and what's the point of memoir and why do you put 
this kind of stuff out there. And for me, I think like anything I write is about connection and is about sort of helping, hopefully helping readers like feel less alone in the world and less freakish and less like I'm the only one that this ever happened to. But for my own personal selfish reasons, it's I want to tell the story so I can get on with it. Mm-hmm. Love that. Therapeutic and and motivational yeah Yeah, and certainly that's why you've connected you've connected with so many so many readers and and um you have such a such a fantastic story to tell about all of it so and it's all in there it's It's all all, in hungry heart it is all in there oh boy find it (laughs) um do you here's a couple fun ones for you do you have do you have a preference uh paper ebook um I like ebooks. I'm probably the only writer who's ever said that. But <laughs> That's I, not I, true. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, and, I, and I do like if I read something on my e-reader and I love it, like I will go buy a paper copy to have in my house. Yeah. But I, I kind of like the portability of it. I like that I can have like you know 50 books with me everywhere I go. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what's so great about ebooks, and you know there is something to be said for that kind of kinest kinesthesia of a, a paper book and, mm-hmm. and a, an old book. But yeah, ebooks are indispensable, really. Do you have a favorite literary character of all time? Oh, my. Well, again, I, I think, you know, I, I just gave you the answer that nobody gives. And now I'm going <laughs> to give you the answer that probably everyone gives, which, which would be Francie Nolan from A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. Okay. I, I think like every bookwormy girl who's survived um, an unhappy in unhappiness as, as a girl is, is going to remember Francie fondly. <laughs> okay. Um, if you could choose one author from any era for an all expense paid dinner to your favorite spot in the world, who would you take? And oh where, my God. Where Nora, would you take Nora them? Ephron in, in a minute going away, but I <laughs> let her pick where, because I think that she was just such a consummate New Yorker. Yeah. Um, I would want her to show me her city. So I'd let her pick. Nice, nice. Do you have a writer's fetish? Are you collecting uh, trinkets of the trade somewhere? (laughs) Um, I I lose things a lot. (laughs) I I break things a lot. But um, for my 40th birthday, my mom got me an inscribed first edition of Susan Isaac's novel, Almost Paradise. And Susan Isaac's is one of my favorite, favorite writers. And, um, you know, she's, she's a quote unquote, popular writer of quote unquote, commercial women's fiction. But I think that her books are very funny and wise and well-crafted and have a lot to say to us about womanhood in America. So I, that's something that I will treasure forever. So no, I'm not really collecting anything, but I will (laughs) always, always keep that. That's cool. Okay. So before we wrap up here, do you have any advice to your, to your fellow scribes on how to keep the ink flowing the cursor moving, and I know I know you talk a lot about about this, so uh, you could paraphrase the. the uh... Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, my my short answer is is if you go to my website and um, I sound like Hillary Clinton, but if you go to my website, all of my advice for writers is is there because I really, I, I believe in paying it forward, and I. I am the beneficiary of so much help and generosity that I want to be just as helpful and as generous as I can to other writers. But but I would say, and, and maybe this especially applies to women, I would say, don't wait for someone to give you permission. 
don't wait for someone to confer the mantle of writer upon you and think that only then can you begin, only after you've earned an MFA or you've published a, sto- a, a story in the right kind of journal or, or some editor has given you some kind of approval or you've gotten like a not entirely negative rejection letter from somewhere. Like just start, just yeah. sit down and start writing. Love it. Very well put and a great way to wrap up. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I had I did have one other fun question for you yes, before yeah. we wrap, and that was I get I keep getting this the these images uh, as I'm reading your your um, writing of kind of John uh, John Hughes uh, world. <laughs> and did did you connect with John Hughes movies at all? Oh my god! When you were younger, so much. Okay. Yeah, I mean, but you know, I was I was always Ali Sheedy. I was never Molly Ringwald, <laughs> and I so desperately wanted. I mean, I think I like tried to get the Molly Ringwald haircut from like the breakfast club to, <laughs> to, to no avail and to sad effect. But, <laughs> but yes, I mean, I, I, and again, I, I don't know that you think of John Hughes as a writer, but I, I think the way that he told stories and developed characters, I think that any writer has could, could learn from, from those movies. So yes, that's, that's a world I feel very connected to. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the Writer Files and and talking about your process and your fantastic new book. The new book is Hungry Heart, Mm -hmm. Adventures in Life, Love, and Writing. Available everywhere. Available everywhere. Fine books and not so fine books are sold. (laughs) And where can fellow scribes connect with you out there in the world online? My website is jenniferweiner.com. I am on Twitter at Jennifer Weiner. I am on Facebook, Facebook backslash Jennifer Weiner. I'm on Instagram at Jennifer Weiner Writes. I am not on Snapchat and no one will make me go there. <laughs> me neither. Right? <laughs> um, well, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate your time uh, and best of luck with everything uh, coming up and future projects. And we hope to talk to you again uh, another time. Yeah. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me for this half of a tour through the writer's process. If you enjoy the Writer Files podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review on iTunes to help other writers find us. For more episodes or to just leave a comment or a question, you can drop by writerfiles.fm. And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week. Bye.